Hi, my name is Anna Minerick and I'm a third year neuroscience student and co-host of Lab Life. Today, we're talking to Dr. Shannon Hall, a recent medical neuroscience PhD grad. So Shannon, where are you from? Hi, Anna, thanks for having me on. Uh, I am originally from Ontario, but when I was 14, uh, my family moved to Mahombe, Nova Scotia. So that's where I consider my hometown, Nova Scotia, Mahombe. Nice, yeah, it's a really cute little town. Mm -hmm. um, so you pursued a medical neuroscience PhD. Uh, what made you want to pursue this program at Dalhousie? Yeah, so when I first started, I, I've been at Dal for my whole post-secondary experience, uh, including my undergrad and then grad school. And uh, when I was an undergrad, I didn't know what I wanted to focus on. I tried classes in history, English, economics, psychology, and then neuroscience. And I fell in love with how the brain works. So I did uh, under my undergrad was a double major in neuroscience and biology. Uh, but I uh, decided I wanted to do research and I didn't do an honors degree. So I thought that might be a good idea to have some research experience. So at Dalhousie, I converted my degree to an honors biology degree. But I did my research in a neuroscience lab at Dal. And it's actually the lab that I ended up doing my grad school work in. So it was uh, Kazue Semba's lab in the Department of Medical Neuroscience. And in that lab, they study how lack of sleep affects your brain, uh, specifically how not getting enough sleep over long periods of time, what it does to the different systems in your brain. And I've just been always fascinated about sleep and sleep systems and how how important sleep is, you know, if you go without it, you just feel like a completely different person. Uh, so I started as a master's student uh, in the Semba lab, and then I converted to a PhD, uh, which, as you mentioned, I completed last August, or this past August. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, um, how do you switch from your master's to PhD? Yeah. So in, it's not in every, I don't think every program has this as an option, uh, but in our uh, our department, medical neuroscience, if after your, between your first and second year of your master's, uh, you can convert your degree into a PhD, which means that you roll into, you carry over that research from your master's into a PhD. So I actually did it near, very close to the end of a, my second year, where typically master's are about two years um, so I think you have to do it within the two years, but you can, with permission from your supervisor, you know, if it looks like your project can be extended into a PhD project and there's a lot more questions to explore related to your topic, um, in our department, you're able to apply and, uh, yeah, get permission to roll over into a PhD, which is nice because you get to carry that research over and keep working on, you know, extending the research you're doing on that particular question. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what made you want to stick stick in the same lab? Um, was Were you just really fascinated by sleep or? I was, yeah. I So I guess to com be completely honest, since high school, I'd always wanted to go to medical school and I hadn't really considered any alternatives. Uh, I'd applied multiple times and not got in. I'm sure many people are in that same boat. And so while I was in my master's, you know, I had applied again for medical school and not gotten in. And I knew I was really fascinated with the work I was doing. And 
would love to continue it. So that's where I decided, you know what, I could, you know, extend this into a PhD project. There's lots more questions to answer within my topic area. And it's a way I hadn't really considered that, you know, medical research is a way to stay in the medical the medical field without going to medical school. Um, and in the end, I'm glad I made that decision. It ended up, you never know how your path's going to turn out. And I'm glad my path ended up like that. Yeah. Is there any advice that you give to students who are in their undergrad and not sure if they want to go into research or apply to medical school? Yeah, I guess, you know, tr- take all the opportunities that you can. Uh, I think for a lot of students in science, medical school is, um, you know, a, a common first choice or something you really think of for, you know, staying in science in the medical field. But if you're interested in research, um, a master's or PhD is also a great way to get, you know, medical science experience. Uh, you often in medical school, uh, research experience is really helpful for your degree. So I know a lot of people that do, you know, a master's before or even a PhD before applying to medical school. And, you know, for me, it ended up being that that was what I preferred. And, you know, I really appreciated having that experience. So I would suggest people that are not sure what to do. Um, having a master's degree before medical school is a great way to explore different interests and gain that experience before medical school. And grad school also is, uh, a thing I like about it is the flexibility. Like there's lots of opportunities to extend your, your skill set in areas outside of your research specific skills as well. So there's opportunities for you to volunteer, to collaborate with other people, um, to men- do mentorship uh, opportunities, uh, act as a teaching assistant. So all of those things can really help you explore different opportunities to see what you like and what you don't like. Because uh, as you get older, it's it's just really interesting of the things you're drawn to and and the things that maybe you thought you were drawn to, but you know you're kind of rethinking because you realize these other things that you tried now you're you're more into them. Um, so that would be my advice is to to explore all of your options and to um, go after the things that you're truly passionate about. Uh, I think those are the things that you end up doing the best at because you you really have a love for them. What was your what would you say your favorite part of grad school was? favorite part uh I did again I guess coming back to that word flexibility that when you're in grad school that you get the option to explore a scientific question in the way that you want to you know you kind of get to develop this question that you're interested in answering and then you get to decide how you're going to figure it out and what's the best way to go about it and it's really freeing to kind of explore science like that, like you truly feel like a scientist uh, yeah. and you get to get to learn a lot along the way. Nice. And so now after grad school, I know that you've kind of taken a step in a different direction. Do you want to talk a bit more about how you got to what job you're in right now? Yeah. Um, so first, yeah, I can talk a bit about how I got to this point. Um, and it really was during graduate school I, I really liked research. I loved, you know, learning all of the cool techniques and exploring the brain. Uh, you know, that's why I loved neuroscience. But I also took 
a lots of opportunities to do things on, outside of research, like join student committees, uh, do volunteer work, uh, mentor students, uh, things like that. So I could um, kind of expand my skill set in some other ways. So joining like the Faculty of Medicine Graduate Student Society was a great way for me to network with other people, learn about their research, as well as work with planning events, um, like social activities, uh, learn about advocacy for students. Uh, it's where I first started doing some graphic design projects for like posters for advertising events and things we were working on. Um, so those things kind of taught me that, you know, I really like research, but I'm really into um, communication and collaboration and some more creative aspects of that, you know, are involved in science as well, like, you know, poster creating really beautiful posters that really accurately and effectively communicate your research, things like that. Um, so while I was in grad school, I had a couple part-time jobs working as um, a social media strategist and graphic designer, helping to promote, uh, I worked with the Faculty of Graduate Studies to help promote student researchers and what they were doing on social media and create graphics to like to help advertise opportunities and student work. Um, I also worked doing social media for a science illustration startup. So all of those experience really showed that my, my passion was really in um, digital design and communication and how it can be applied to science. So when I finish my PhD, what I'm what I'm interested in pursuing a career in is in science communication, specifically with digital content creation uh, and illustration. So I'm not quite there right now. I took a little bit of a different turn and I'm currently working in government, but it, uh, so it's not exactly, I'm stepping out of science a little bit, but I'm gaining some skills in communications, which is what I am really interested in. So what do you, what do you do at your job now? What are some of the responsibilities um, that you have to do, like your daily tasks? Yeah, so it's a difficult job to explain, but uh, right now, so I work in government at the Nova Scotia Department of Labor and Advanced Education. So I uh, assist the Minister of Labor and Advanced Education uh, in the advancement of the goals and objectives for that department that are established by the government. And I assist with all aspects of the operation of the minister's office. So, um, you know, I work with all of the branches within that department. Uh, it oversees everything from post-secondary all the way up to the labor force. So uh, lots of, um, networking with people and, and communicating over uh, emails and, um, and, and and written and verbal communication strategies. Uh, it's, it's difficult. <laughs> I do a lot of things. It's a multitasking job um, and it's very different than academic research, but it's, it's very interesting to see, um, you know, the policies and objectives of the government that are put in place to support um, Nova Scotians from post-secondary, which I have a lot of experience in, all the way to entering the job market, which is, you know, now part of my life chapter is, you know, establishing my career. So um, it's a great learning experience uh, post-PhD for sure. Yeah. Um, so 
I guess what what made you want to kind of take a step back from the hardcore research side of things? Was it kind of you grew to love the science communication aspect or were there other things as well? Yeah, so I think, um, so you asked me one of the things I liked about research. Um, One of the things I dislike about research was uh, that I don't feel like I was fully prepared about how uh, research doesn't always go the way you want it to. And I would say more often than not, it goes not the way you had planned. So you really need to be prepared for your experiments to fail, your methods to not work out the way that you want them to, your data turning out negative. And I had a lot of that happen to me during my PhD. And so I think uh, just for me specifically, in order to maybe find, you know, find some motivation I ended up um because it's it's you know it's really it's a really big bummer when things don't work out the way you want them to so uh you know I would really work at focusing on the way I would communicate my research and the way I would present it and more of those communication aspects you know um because I those things I could kind of control the way that they worked out. So even when I had a lot of negative data to present for my PhD, I could find really creative ways to illustrate it for my posters and presentations and think of creative ways to communicate it where it still, you know, I could still emphasize the impact that it had, which is more difficult to do with negative data, in my opinion, than positive data. Yeah. So that's, I think, where my love for that science communication came from. So for students who are in their undergrad or even in graduate school, do you have any advice for them for dealing with kind of the frustrations that come with when things don't go the way that you want in science? Yeah, I think uh, I'll definitely come back to when I mentioned about taking as many opportunities as you can outside of your research specific training. Uh, Because then if, you know, things aren't going as planned in the lab and you're kind of feeling down about your science and you're needing to rethink it, it's nice to maybe take a little bit of a a mind break and and focus on some of your, um, um, get enjoyment out of your your volunteer experiences or mentoring uh, someone else in your lab or um, working with other students on student committees. Actually, that was a great way for me Uh, to learn that I wasn't alone in things not working out the way as planned is by being on student committees where I think most students could relate to the exact way I was feeling. And if I hadn't uh, joined those student groups, I wouldn't have had like grown such an amazing network of of people that you can kind of lean on for advice and help or just to, to kind of vent to and they can relate to exactly what you're going through. So I highly recommend, um, establishing like taking all of those opportunities in addition to to your to your research specific training because it it will only make you a better scientist in my opinion Uh, and it will help you for for when you when you finish to decide what you want to do it's great to have it gives you a a large extra skill set in addition to the great research techniques that you learn in grad school yeah that's that's great thank you um so with some of these extracurricular activities that you were a part of, I know that you have your own podcast. Do you want to talk a bit about that and what kind of made you or inspired you to create it? Sure. Yeah. So um, I have a podcast called Scientist Not a Scientist. 
Unfortunately, it's on a hiatus currently due to me finishing my PhD this summer and then going straight into a job that was in a completely different um, sector than I'd ever been in before. But I'm hoping to get it back up and running soon. Uh, but yeah, the premise of our, of that podcast is I do it with uh, my partner, who is not a scientist, hence <laughs> scientist, not a scientist. And it's basically we talk about... Um, we present recent research articles that have come out in the news and we talk about the science that's in them, but we try to do it in a fun, um, like engaging kind of game style way of presenting the topics. Uh, and we try to discuss it. The reason why we have the two of us on it is because we want to discuss these science topics from the perspective of both a scientist and not a scientist. Because something I really learned while I was in grad school was that it's really easy to um, think of science in one way, you know, as a researcher, you're surrounded by other researchers, you're all really thinking about it from this like scientific method analytical standpoint. But the, the whole point of doing science is to, is to get knowledge and help, you know, help find answers to things that affect people all over the world, and that are not scientists. And so it's really important that we not only think about science from a scientific mindset, but also from an accessible um, non-scientist standpoint. So we really try to have fun where he he asks the obvious questions that you know seem obvious to a scientist maybe, but not for a non-scientist. And we try to have fun with it and make it a fun way for people to learn a bit about what the latest science is and how cool, how incredibly cool some of this like research there's so much amazing research going yeah. on in the world and that was kind of the inspiration to make the podcast to share it where do you go for this like research news what are your favorite like mediums to like find that on oh yeah so I love twitter I find <laughs> you can find a lot of news on like there's a dark side of twitter and then there's a great academic research side of Twitter, I highly recommend. Actually, that was part of um, working uh, for social media for 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 different different uh, companies and organizations, uh, really pushing how effective Twitter can be as an early career researcher for getting your research out there and for engaging with other academics and exchanging ideas, learning new things, getting support for grad school. Uh, and one of the places is I love uh, getting science, like you can find really like, like people will share their research that they've just published on Twitter. It's great to find it there. There's also some nice like news websites. I really like um, Science Daily or Science Alert. <laughs> um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think Kenzie and I usually, we go in the neuroscience news and research one. Yes. Yes. I there. look at that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so now with your with your government job, um, I guess we kind of wanted to kind of emphasize to students one of the things about this podcast is that there's more opportunities than just med school or just grad school, that there's other things that you can pursue when pursuing a STEM degree. So I was wondering if you had any advice to students for how they can find out about other opportunities that they could pursue that's not med or grad school. Yeah, I think that's, it's really, it's an important uh, this is a really good question, actually, because I think a lot of students feel like, you know, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do after grad school, but I also don't know what the options are. 
I know that's how I felt while I was in it. Uh, and I think that, um, universities are getting better at pro providing more of this information on, um, I don't like to use the word, but alternate, alternative career paths to continuing in academia. Because um, there are actually so many things that you can use with um, a post-secondary degree, like a master's, a PhD degree. You're, you're a very highly trained individual with a, with a diverse skill set. And a lot of jobs are looking for people that, um, that have the skill set outside of just your specific science knowledge. So they're looking for people that can problem solve, that can manage a team, uh, that can, you know, that have really great critical thinking skills, uh, that can work independently, but also in a team. And you, you gain so many of those skills in grad school. So I found while I was in school, I, I networking with fellow students was a great way to learn about their opportunities. Uh, so um, finding out what people from their labs had gone to do to find out if they had done alternative career paths. There's also the uh, online, like the internet has become a great place for promoting, um, uh, you know, additional jobs. There's a lot of really great um, Instagrammers and social media uh, content creators that promote a lot of resources for finding alternative career paths. Um, I can send you some after, actually. Yeah, we can uh, include some in the description of the, the podcast, too. Sure, yeah, I have a great one. Um, yeah, and then also, um, I guess, again, coming back to that, exploring all of those different opportunities during grad school to find out what you really like and where your skills really shine um, so that you can kind of... Uh, you can it's a lot of it's a lot of independent work it's I don't find it's very well it's very clear of where to find those resources um, but something that the students and I did was we invited alumni that graduated from the faculty of medicine to come back and give a talk about how they got to the career they were and we specifically chose people that had done a non like non-traditional academic career path and a great way to f we found out who those people were by talking to department heads and people within the departments of what other people had gone on to do because I think you'd be surprised of how many people go on to do uh career careers that you never would have suspected um for example I don't think well including myself I never thought I would be in the job position I am now uh it's it's awesome how things work out sometimes uh, so it's great. I'd say networking is a, is a huge thing. And then really pushing your university for supplying you with resources of what those career paths were. And if you can't find that out, go to the internet. There's so many really great um, STEM career uh, supportive content creators on the different social platforms that give great advice. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of students feel like some of their networking has been taken away from them, um, given the situation Definitely. of this year. And since there is so much opportunity to do it online anyways that they can really kind of go there and try networking. Yeah. So definitely uh, I find Instagram is a really great place as well as Twitter, Twitter, especially to interact with other academics and other, uh, you know, for me, a science communicators. So you can find out how did you get to where you are now? What steps did you take? What advice do you have? And, it, and the more people that you engage with, uh, the more you can find out, uh, what you know what options there are out there yeah um so to kind of wrap 
things up. Um, I'm just wondering if you had anything that you wish you knew before going into your undergrad that you could give like any advice or anything to students who might be listening. Before going into undergrad? Yeah, or just maybe things that you wish you knew before <laughs> getting to where you are right now. So many things. <laughs> I think everyone <laughs> could say that. Hindsight is 2020. Uh, I guess my biggest thing is there is no rush. Uh, it seems like I'm older now than I was when I started. And back then it felt like, you know, oh, I'm, you know, time's running out because school takes so long. It's such a it's such a time commitment. But even still, time is time. You have lots of time to figure out what you want to do. So take that time. Enjoy the moments. Don't feel like you're you need to feel rushed into making decisions and don't feel like you need to follow the path that you originally had planned. It's okay for your plans to change and they probably should because the more you the more experiences you have and the more you learn, the more you learn about yourself and what you like and what you want to pursue. And I think that's the biggest advice like I would go back and give myself was it's okay that your plans are changing. They should be embrace it and go with it. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Shannon, for coming on and speaking to us about your experiences. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>